Welcome to the Eat, Slay, Live podcast. And we are the Lock Executioners. We're going to be eating lightning and talking thunder and bringing the beef right into your ear holes today. The beef. The beef. The All beef right. Is here. The beef is here. The Baron of Beef is here, Ross. <laughs> the Baron of Beef. <laughs> how's your? Uh, how's the pavilion coming at the brick house? I see you're closed all week. Yeah, a little hiccup. Um, the crane, the crane canceled on us, so uh-huh. we're so we're backed up a little bit. Yeah, we did, we did, we've done we've they've been doing everything that they can do for the week, getting mm-hmm. it, getting it ready for the crane. But the crane's not coming until Wednesday, so it kind of backed us up a little bit. But gotcha, we're getting there. Yeah, yeah. Anything new for you? Uh, I got the fence out at the Thunder Pit. Now we're at finally finished. They got it finished. Is it fi- uh, totally finished now? Totally finished yesterday. So. Sent me that picture here a while back, and it was almost finished. Almost finished. <laughs> oh, that was a long <laughs> project. <laughs> Don't get, let's, not, let's not get started on that. <laughs> Supposed to be done in April. Got finished right before July. Oh, that's yeah. pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could have done, done that. <laughs> Maybe. Anyway, we got our guest in the studio today. Uh, this guy has, uh, like he said, we were talking before this, he says, he's li- what, which lifetime do you want to talk about? Because he says he's lived about 10 different lifetimes. Right. So Mesh them all together a little me- bit. Yeah, keep it under, keep it under eight <laughs> hours. <laughs> anyway, our guest today is businessman, farmer, grandpa, dad, uh, Teddy Prane, Teddy Ballgame. Teddy Prane. How you doing, Ted? Very good, guys. Very good. Ted said, I, he goes, Man, I haven't I asked him to be on here. He goes, I haven't done an interview in a long time. I go, even after this, you're not have done an interview in a long time. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be counting this. As, as you could see our unprofessionalism uh, unwinding before his eyes as we were doing this. It's a little hot in here today. You think? It's you a think? little hot. You got beads. And, so you what? know, and I messed up. Um, I went to work early. Mm-hmm. I went a little different route today. Went to work earlier. And then after work, I went home and showered. And then showering and then coming down to this hot box is <laughs> freaking killing me. It's a rookie mistake right there in this solar-powered room we got. Uh, welcome to the show, Ted. Well, glad to be here, guys. Now, I know Ted has listened to at least one of our shows because I sent, when I asked him to be on it, he, he listened to it. So he, yeah. he'd li- he did listen to part of Miss Pitts. Yes. Very good interview, guys. Well, I, She's I, a, I, we I like when you butter us up right before we get to start ask you the tough <laughs> yeah, questions. Yeah, yeah. We, we like that. <laughs> so Ted was actually our neighbor one time. And I'm going to tell a little funny story to get this, get this tell going. Story. <laughs> so I don't know. If Ted, I told it to Ted before, but I don't know if you remember. So they move in across the street from us on Butcher Street. And uh, I was in high school. I think I was like a sophomore. And I think you moved in across the street from us. That's what I always thought. Yeah. Yeah. Really? We lived there before. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, actually, I grew up in that house. Hmm. But anyway. I, I thought, huh, okay. I don't know. But I, anyway, I remember somebody moved in. Somebody right. moved in, and I'm I'm gawking over across the street. And I'm and I, and I like, oh, they got a daughter over there. Yeah. This is going <laughs> yeah. to be good. This is going to be real good. Yeah. And then later, that would Ted, be my wife. Ted introduces her. And this is my wife, Julie. <laughs> yeah. She Ted, looks like my daughter. Ted, Ted, uh, he uh, outpunted the coverage, Ross. Yeah. He outpunted the coverage. out kicked his No doubt about that. Well, Ted, we're just going to kind of tell the story of your life, or you know, try to in 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 under a, a day. So, yeah. uh, where were you born, Ted? Where were you born? Born in Alton, Illinois, at uh, Alton Memorial Hospital, mm-hmm. 1962. But raised in in Bethalto, yeah. Yeah, so I consider myself born and raised in Bethalto. Yeah, so been you, there my whole life mostly. Because you have a lot of Bethalto spirit. Yeah, you're, you're always I, kind of a Bethalto guy for a long time. Very right? much so, and and still, I mean, Bethalto is a is a 
my hometown. That's where mm-hmm. I was raised, and it was it's where my family was. Three generations of us. Uh, we're not there now, but uh, it, that that just changed just because of opportunities we had. But uh, but Bethalto is a great town. It was a great town to to grow up in. Now, now your grandfather was he from Bethalto? Actually, Grandpa moved into town in uh, 1914 and started. They bought the hardware and lumber business and uh, moved from Bunker Hill down with my great grandparents and ran that business and then got into the real estate business in the 40s and and so the whole family was there uh dad and mom and uh, dad worked over at mcdonald douglas mm-hmm. and uh um but he was also in the real estate business him and mom for a little bit never really did a whole lot in the real estate business but uh but that sort of was sort of in my genes or in my blood because grandpa and my two uncles, my great uncles, were in the real estate business. So. And that's what we're going to get into is your your real estate business. Now, did uh, did you go to college? I did. Go, went to Lewis and Clark and uh, probably 16 credit hours shy of an associate's degree. <laughs> I was never really interested in having a degree, really. Yeah. But uh, I always wanted to learn, so I've, I've uh, learned a lot in, uh, at Lewis and Clark, and, and then most of it's just on-the-job training, just getting in. But a lot of trade school things and advanced my education in the real estate side of things as well and held a, a pretty substantial uh, uh, degree in real estate and commercial real estate is what I spent most of my life doing. So, so you get out of college or you're just done with college, so w- w- what's your first job? Actually, Did you go right into real estate my, business. No, I my first job was uh, when I was twelve. Dad said, "Hey, the rental house needs the old home place needs to be painted." <laughs> we know about that, don't we? Yes. We know about that. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it was it's right across from the the fire department there at uh, in in Bethalto on the corner of that big two story house on the corner of Vine and. Uh, yeah, and central. It's not the one you tore down, is it, Ross? No, <laughs> no there might have been. I, I haven't been by there in a little bit, but I don't think it is. Anyway, uh, it was uh, it, it attached to the old hardware store, which was on the corner there, Prairie and uh, and Central. And uh, Dad said, "You paint that house, and I'll give you a hundred dollars." Well, at twelve years old, a hundred dollars. Right. I was all about it. And I'm two stories up scraping and painting a white house, and all these kids had their swim trunks on going to the swimming oh, pool, right. and I was on the <laughs> ladder painting the house. I'm thinking, oh, what have I done? But uh, I got that house painted, and, uh, they, and You never got, got out. They never let you out after that, did they? Yeah. yeah no, it was good. It was, uh, it was a good experience. But that was my first job, probably, paying job other than odds and ends. I'd, I'd go around the neighborhood and, and uh, rake yards and—, and mow mow grass had a mowing business and had all kinds of things going on but my one of my coolest jobs as a kid was i worked for homer hinky east of town on the farm and now, he, now homer hinky he had a b- big farm he was an right east of town he, right he had on his town. hand in a lot of things oh yeah county that. board member yeah. real estate he had his hats and everything so we had a we had a lot of things in common there as well he actually had his real estate license with my great uncle's real estate office there and in Bethalto. But, uh, so we, he raised Paul Hereford cattle and I went on the fair circuit with the cows and I was what they called a dinger, but I would support the, the herdsman on the fair circuit and I would, um, 
uh, we'd bathe them every day and comb them and feed them and water them. And the dinger meant when the tail was raised and they're tied up, you had to clean up what was behind them. <laughs> so they didn't lay in them after we cleaned them all up. Right. So uh, that was a phone call when the tail went up and the ding, 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 go get it. And so we we shoveled it and, and uh, pitched it. And, but it was just a cool experience. And so I'd always sort of had that that in the back of my mind, I, I never thought I'd ever be a farmer, but mm-hmm. thought that was the, that was the coolest thing. Right. So Homer sort of lit my passion for, uh, for cattle. And, um, that's uh, sort of what I'm doing today, but right. that's jumping forward way. Yeah. Forward. Well, yeah. You skipped about 40 years, Ted. Yeah. Just a few. <laughs> um, so when did you get it? When, when did you get your first real estate, like pick up your first house or property that you were going to rent or well, sell or when I, before I even had my real estate license, I, uh, I bought a uh, my probably my first acquisition was I bought a farm east of uh, or west of Fosterburg on Silo Road when I was 19 and uh, I think at that yeah I was still living at home even had a job my job was UPS when I was 17 and junior in high school I got a job at UPS and I was never the athlete that my uh, sons were mm-hmm. but. Uh, so when I had an opportunity to get a job, I got a job, and, and it was at night. And Monday through Friday, I worked at UPS for seven and years. And they, they work you like a dog there, don't they? They work you. That, and that's really— <laughs> They pay good, but they work That helped me recognize work ethic, really, because you work hard, but you get paid well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had full benefits at, uh, at 17 with <laughs> dental, you know, as a part-time job. It's a great job. It was just a great job. But, but it also teaches that that's not what I want to do. <laughs> no, exactly, exactly. So uh, the uh, so I bought the farm um, west of Jerseyville, or west of uh, Fosterburg, and um, my goal was to develop it into a residential development, and I started a construction company. Now, how old were you when you yeah. purchased uh, 19. 19. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And uh, so I started a construction company, built a, an apartment complex up in Livingston, did some remodeling, remodeled a few houses. Um, first house in town I bought on Granville, I bought for $7,500. $7,500. Uh, on Granville and Bethalta. And it didn't have a floor in it. The sewer was, uh, was actually dumping into the crawl space. <laughs> and it was rotten. And we lifted the whole thing and redid the whole understructure. And so anyway, it, lots, of, lots of things. But that was sort of the first. Uh, real estate acquisition. And ni- only 19, 19 years old. Yeah, I was nineteen and twenty when when we started when I started the construction company. Uh, what I wanted to do was develop a crew that I could feel responsible for to put myself out there and build a house. And so I hired a few guys, and we built, like I said, the apartment complex. Did some remodeling. And then I started the, the land development business. Uh, the property was called Timberlake Providence. Timberlake. Ross, at 19 and 20, I was trying to establish a crew, like a drinking crew. <laughs> you yes. know what I'm saying? Not, not construction yeah. crew. So was your grandfather very, was he influential in in, no, in that? Like Dad, steering you that way? Or? Grandpa, grandpa died when I was in second grade. Oh, so, he did? Okay. Yeah, he wasn't much of an influence. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think just... I, I don't know if it's his reputation. Uh, you know, the reputation of my, my ancestors in Bethalto was, was huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you know, Scripture says what you want is a good, is, is have a good name, you know, and inherit a, name, a good name, and, and that we did. I mean, the Pranes were very well respected in Bethalto, and, 
and that that helped me um, carry out my life as well. So, um, so that gave me some inspiration. But but the construction and development is just I, I don't is a gift. I mean, it's God's gift to me. I just had that ability, that vision to to visualize. I mean, you you have that. Both of you guys look at look at the brick house and look at look at mm-hmm. what you've got here at uh, at Pride. So. It, that vision, not not everybody has that, and I was gifted with that, and and just took off. And my uh, parents were great encouragers of that. They weren't um, didn't understand it. They weren't extremely uh, visionary themselves, and were scared because I was taking risk. Well, when I bought the farm bed, said I've never, <laughs> I've never gone into debt that much money. And, and my, I, and my, he's used to getting a secure paycheck. Oh yeah, ways. he gets that paycheck that goes yeah. in the bank and whatever. And so, and when you when you kind of do what you were doing, it's just, you never know. Yeah, it know? was uh, it was totally uh, totally foreign to my to my my father and and mother. But mom was probably my biggest cheerleader. She was. Uh, she was huge, and uh, so in that time, in the early 80s, uh, as, as you know now, because we are going through some inflationary times, we, had, uh, we, we dealt with the, uh, with the inflation and the interest rates. My interest rate uh, back then on the apartment p- complex was 15%. Wow. And, uh, and so it was, uh, it was a tough time. So in 85, 86... Uh, and those interest rates the way they were, uh, and I had way too many things going on in retrospect, mm-hmm. you know, trying to start a construction company, going to college because I had to be 21 to get my real, to be a real estate broker. You have to be 21 years of age. So I went to, to night school when I was 20. So when I turned 21 on May 27th, on June the 12th, I was taking my exam to be a real estate wow. broker. So I started in real estate my, when I turned 21. Uh, what year was that? Was that like 85? Now you're asking me to, to <laughs> go back, but you know, it's probably early 80s because mm-hmm. I was uh, graduated high school in 1980. Gotcha. What, yeah. what, what is the apartment building in Livingston? Is it, does it still stand today? Yeah, I think I sold it to Dick Green and Claudette um, uh, years ago. And, uh, and I believe it is, but I have not been there. It was an old house. Actually, Homer sold it at an auction. It was uh, Rizzi. Uh, he was a, a lieutenant here at the Madison County Police De- or Madison County Sheriff's Department. His dad owned it. It was a doctor's office, and it was added on to like 15 times in this <laughs> huge house. And we, I bought it, and we were going to fix it up and do some apartments, and we decided that we had to take the roof off because it had been added on to so many times. And when we did that, we decided that it'd be better off. We were spending all the money on the roof. Let's just put a second floor on it and put those <laughs> trusses on top of the <laughs> second floor. And so we did that, added three more units upstairs. So we had seven units in that place, and it was uh, it was a job. It was a, it's amazing that we got it got it done. So and what what became of the first farm you bought? Um, actually we, we developed it into lots and, uh, I sold a few lots, but in the mid eighties, there's not a whole lot of houses being built with 15% interest. So yeah. my first lot I sold to a guy that had to move here because he was transferred to shell to the refinery. And he, uh, um, so he had to move from Houston up here. He had to have a place and he wanted acreage. And so I sold him a lot on the, on the lake and he built a big house. And so I sold three or four lots before, the bank came to me in like 87 and said, Teddy, you're going to have to 
pay the note off. I mean, they called the note on me. So, yeah. uh, so they called that 15% interest note. And, and so I sold, I had a number of assets at that stage that I'd already accumulated. And so I started selling those so I could pay the, pay the bank, pay now, the piper. Now through all my research, I found Ross. Now okay. didn't, at that point you had to go back and move in with your, like an apartment above the, yeah, above the actually, hardware store? Or no, we, we a, did like part house? of the whole growing up thing. Um, in, in the early eighties, I'd, developed a put an apartment above my grandparents house on corbin street which was right behind the, uh, the house we grew up on butcher street mm-hmm. which, yeah. you, which we lived across from you at and so the idea was i'd built with this construction crew we did this work as well as friends of m- my parents we built the apartment i'd live in it I've, i'd build it fix it up i'd live in it until mom and dad were going to retire in the mid 80s moved to florida because they had already established a residence down there to move into mm-hmm. and then they'd live in the apartment the plan wasn't for me to buy the butcher street again but we did and that's probably about the same transition in time that uh, that right. you guys moved in across the street was about when we were transitioning to that house so um anyway so we built that apartment and i and i lived in that apartment well, through the mid-80s, when I lost everything, I at least had a roof over my head. That was the one benefit, and that was uh, from my parents. I mean, my parents were—we had an agreement. I fixed it up. I got to live there for free. I paid the expenses, naturally, but uh, but they, naturally, my parents were extremely supportive. They didn't bail me out. Um, were you I, married at this time? I, we, I got married in 86. 85, 86, now, January of 86. Kind of change the direction here. We'll come back. But like, he, you know where he got married, Ross? The, uh, the, the, the stairs at the Capitol building in Washington. Yeah, I did. Well, not the stairs that, that they just climbed up on uh, January the 6th. <laughs> I was on the front of the building, not on the back of the building. But we, it was an interesting, uh, I, I met my wife in 80, I guess it was 85. Yeah, the summer of '85, and I said, "I've got to, I've got to marry this lady," and it took me six months to convince her that that I was worthy of being married. <laughs> You're probably still trying to convince. Yeah, her. I still try. <laughs> and it was uh, so December, November. I went to a real estate conference in Peoria, and I didn't call her right after Thanksgiving. She invited me to Thanksgiving dinner, and I thought, "Well, maybe I'm, maybe I'm in." And then she said, no, you're still not ready. So I said, okay, I'm, this is a losing cause. So I didn't talk to her for a week, and, and that, uh, that galvanized the thought that, well, maybe I ought to give this guy a second chance. You see what he did there? He yeah. flipped the script. I flipped the script. <laughs> yes, I, didn't really, did. I, didn't know if I, was, I didn't know if I was intentionally doing it, but run, I flipped the running script. Running some game yeah, there, Teddy. I, I did. That, that stage I did. And when I came back on December the 3rd, uh, we went, did a double date, and that night after the date, she, we decided we were going to get married. I come home at 2 in the morning and wake my parents up, and I said, I'm going to get married. And uh, we were going to get married the next year, the, next, the following December. And I left to go to Florida to uh, our parents, my grandparents and everybody were, was in Florida. So we went down to Florida for Christmas. Plan trip was already planned, and she she didn't go. Um, she stayed up here with her parents, and uh, so that gap over Christmas made us realize we don't want to wait a year. We don't want to do this. That week was like an eternity to me. It seemed like, and on that that's trip, that's cute, isn't it, Ross? That's, that's cute. cute. <laughs> it's cute. But the, the other story about that trip on that trip, 
I'm sleeping in the back of the pickup truck because we hauled, we took Don Flack's pickup truck because it had a camper on it to move stuff down to Florida for mom and dad getting ready to move kind of thing like a couple years later. Dad, they went into Howard Johnson's to have breakfast at, you know, two in the morning or whatever, midnight. And I just laid in there and I decided I better go in and go to the bathroom. I went in and went to the bathroom in the foyer. And while I was in the bathroom, they hopped in the truck and left. <laughs> they didn't know you weren't they sleeping. They didn't know I wasn't in the back of the truck. They get to Atlanta, and I'm, we're, in, we're in Calhoun, Georgia, South Georgia. They get to Atlanta, fill up, and uh, Mom says, well, go back and – or Dad said, go back and check Teddy and have him come up, and he can drive for a little bit. And she went back there. She said, he's not there. <laughs> and there's no yeah. – back there's no, no. cell phones. Well, and I called, uh, I called the Georgia State Police and told them, you know, the truck, the description of the truck is heading northbound on 75 and everything else. <laughs> And uh, so that was that was crazy. But we I finally got home that trip. They came back and picked me up. They did come back and pick me up. And I, I drove the rest of the, the rest of the way home. <laughs> Make sure you didn't get left at a Waffle House. Somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Dad was wore out. He'd already drove 12 hours and, and didn't get anywhere. So uh, but anyway, we we got back. And after that trip, we decided uh, on Christmas Eve or New Year's Eve. Actually, our whole family gets together New Year's Day up at the farm up my aunt and uncle's farm in Scottville. And uh, we decided we were going to get married. I had a conference already planned in Washington, D.C. I had bought a Realty World franchise and uh, from oh, my real what? estate office. A Realty World franchise. It was, it's an old franchise, like Century 21, but it was okay. a franchise that supported real estate. And I had a conference in Washington, D.C. for that um, franchise. And I decided, or we decided, Julie and I decided, well, let's just get married in Washington, D.C. It was on January the 11th would have been the Saturday. The conference was 9th, 10th, and, or 8th, 9th, and 10th or something. So we walk into Mel Price's office on Wednesday the uh, 8th of January and, uh, and said, we'd like to get married in Washington, D.C. somewhere. I, personally, I'd like to be in the blue room of the White House and Nancy and Ronnie to, to stand up for me. <laughs> Ronald Reagan was uh, was in the office at the time, and the year before that, they canceled the inauguration because it was so cold. Mm-hmm. So um, when we uh, they, they jumped through all kinds of hoops in Washington D.C. on the Capitol, even back then, it, to get to get us the steps of the Capitol building. But Mel Price, he carried a lot of weight in uh, Washington D.C. and this area. He was a great congressman for us in our in our district, and uh, so he. He, uh, Mike Mansfield was his, sec- was his chief of staff. He actually ran for Mel Price's position, uh, in the ensuing election after Mel di- died. But, uh, we, we were married on the steps, got a minister, a Methodist minister came, conducted the service. Um, it was, uh, it was a full blown thing. And so on New Year's day, we tell our whole family, we're going to Washington D.C. to get married. If y'all want to come, that's where it's going to be. We had no idea. We had no plans. We yeah. didn't know who we were going to have. We just went to the Methodist Church and and got the minister. And he he thought we were a little bit crazy. The people at Mel Price's office thought we were a little bit crazy as well. But they understood that we were intent and we were earnest about our uh, our desire to get married. And and so our parents, both parents, came out, and my grandparents, and my aunts, and my sister, and and her cousins and we just had a had a, a full family event and uh and it was just it was great beautiful day 50 degree january day and um 
It was extremely cool. Mel Price came to the wedding. Wow. Stood for 45 minutes. Uh, he had just recently came back from foot surgery uh, a couple weeks before that. So it was pretty amazing that, that he was there, and we had a good time. Did, did you have a photographer? We did. Did you get some cool Actually, pictures? Actually, a friend of the family did did a lot of the photography. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we got some cool pictures. Uh, even me in my Realty World jacket <laughs> with my wife at, <laughs> at the time. We got video of it as well. We got it all videoed. That's we, awesome. And we, so at this time in your life, though, so... You you'd had to sell some properties. Yeah, to, to, it actually to the, the to pay the, the bank. You guys are moved upstairs of your parents' house in the apartment. Right. And the the foot hadn't dropped just yet. This was just the the wedding was pre mm-hmm. the bank calling the note. I mean, but it was in 1986, and and it was uh, it was tough. And we and now I had a new family, and uh, we were living in the one bedroom apartment above the above the house on Corbin Street. And so, what's your next move now? Yeah. You lose everything, and so how do you start well, back over? I was uh, I had my tail tucked for a while. I was I was shocked. Thank goodness I had a supporting wife. Um, Julie went to work at Casual Corner, I think, at the time, and and I knew real estate was where I needed to be. I just felt that calling, and that that was probably my best opportunity. And I I knew it. I understood it. Um, I actually reached out to uh, Scott Adams at Adams Development. We had been to a couple. Uh, Actually, I'd met him the first time at a Christian retreat that uh, one of my agents took me to, Darren Karstens, who's uh, who's the pastor of, who used to be, uh, it's Enjoy Church, mm-hmm. I think now, but Darren uh, worked for me at the real estate office at the time, and he said, hey, come to this retreat, this men's retreat, and we went, went up there, and, and I met Scott, and one thing led to another. Again, it's God's hand on it all when you look at it in retrospect, um, and Scott hired me to come to work for him. Uh, mind you, it wasn't it wasn't a big wage, but it was it was something, you know. And and I so I started learning the commercial industry at that stage, and uh, sold everything except the house on Granville. I kept that first house that I bought on Granville, and uh, kept renting it, and um, was able to sell everything and pay the debt, and not file bankruptcy or anything. But my my tail was tucked for a few years. And uh, as as I worked with Scott, I came got a little more familiar with the commercial side of things, and I came across a couple deals uh, that that I thought I needed to participate in, and and so I was able to. I walked into Illinois State Bank at the time, uh, Harley Goddard and uh, Jack Helmkamp, and uh, Jack was the the head president of the bank, or Harley was the president of the bank. I guess Jack was the chairman of the board. Anyway. They, uh, I didn't have a pot to pee in, but at the time, but I had no money, but I had a, I had a transaction. I had a good tenant. I had a good lease. I had the building secured and they gave me, they gave me the money, gave me $120,000 to do this project. And so this was uh, a commercial building, commercial you were building right across the street from the bank. Actually, I still own it. Oh, and, right. uh, and it, uh, and that was in 87. And the tenant has been good to you. Hasn't the tenant it? is still there, and and it was great. But we paid that loan off in five years because of the tenant. And uh, but without Jack and Harley and Illinois State Bank giving me the money at that stage, I would have, yeah, I wouldn't have been able to do it. So it's all in the people in, that you run into that give you opportunities. And, that and, was, and what is this property now? It's a uh, it's a office building and, and laboratory. Gotcha. They do lab work and stuff in there. But they do uh, they test um, product that comes down the river. 
for third-party insurers. So it's a very niche market, and they were in Alton, and the bridge took them out in their Alton location. They're right down on the riverfront, and so we were able to move them to East Alton, and and they they still occupy. And they've been your only tenant. Only tenant in awesome. that building since 1987. <laughs> it's uh, and they're a, you know they're a multinational company. It's an, they're international. They're, they're, the company is, and so and it's good for the community too. It's it, it was an old uh, uh, tool and die shop when I bought it, and there was an inch of grease on the floor and <laughs> scraped and power washed the floor, <laughs> similar to what you probably <laughs> dealt with here in uh, in the Pride facility. We repurposed it and rebuilt it, and uh, me and another guy, uh, Wade Bachman, came down there and, and built out the interior and, and and made it happen. But So that was in 87, and I, I stayed working with Scott uh, until 93 and helped him and, again, con- additionally learned the business. And in eight, 1993, we uh, had a couple good transactions, and we started our own company. So this um, hiccup per se, with, yeah. the, with the bank and having to sell most of your stuff and everything. And then you have to go to work for someone else, probably end up was a, was a huge benefit in your life with it everything was. you learned and some of the, oh, yeah. the opportunities that you got. There's no doubt it was a huge benefit. Well, the Adams name, even today, probably less today because people forget what Scott's dad, Homer, did. I mean, the, the road is named after him. Yeah. Homer Adams Parkway, but he had a vision, uh, and they were in downtown in the printing business, downtown Alton, and the, he had a vision of that parkway and the development there, and and uh, so it gave, there was a lot of inspiration at Adams because of, of Homer as well, and that probably gave me more inspiration from a, from a visionary point of view, and in, in 93, when I left Scott, I bought a piece of the, of the property that uh, Homer had originally developed from Scott that around that wrapped around the Holiday Inn at the time it's called something else now but the Alton Holiday Inn and all those buildings around the Alton Holiday Inn I developed after 93 after I bought it from Scott so that was that was sort of the start of uh, of my the development side of my my business other than you know the a couple tenants that I did while I was with Scott but most of my time with Scott was well, we did Raging Rivers uh, at the time, uh, Pebble Creek at the time. They're off Humbert Road. Um, we developed a master plan, or he did, and I had some input, but mainly him. But being a part of that was cool. They developed a master plan for all of the Palisades um, with golf courses and everything. A lot of that hasn't come to fruition, uh, and things have changed over the years. But Raging Rivers was huge, too. Um, but but I was with Scott through that through that process as well. So. And what what year did you start? What is T.L. Prane Properties? Is that it? Well, we started, I actually started T.L. Prane Properties in 81, 82, T.L. Prane Enterprises, which comprised of the construction company and the land development business and real estate office. But then I stepped away for seven years and went to work for Scott. And actually, tail was tucked, moved across the street, mom and dad's house. Again, thank goodness to mom and dad. We, were, we bought their house from them. Didn't, they didn't give it to me. We bought it from them and then fixed it up and, and lived there. And in 93, that's where we launched our uh, teal Prane properties, the, the commercial side. I just worked out of the front of the office, front of the house uh, in my home was where my office was. Uh, before we moved to Alton out on Albee Street. So at this time you'd quit your job and went all in again. Yeah, actually in 80, when I, I met Julie uh, in 
85, and that fall, UPS said, you either have to be on time or <laughs> you're done. And so we mutually agreed and sort of forced, they sort of forced me to, because uh, I loved that comfort of that, that PM job. I still had that PM job and I could do all my construction company and everything during the day. I was still working at night. Were you sleeping? And, Were you getting any sleep? Well, not a lot, but yeah. uh, but I I, uh, I attribute that to my aunt. My aunt would take care of me. Aunt Noni lived around the street, right next door to me, and and so I'd pop in there, and she'd feed me dinner, and I'd lay down on the couch for a little bit and get 30 minutes and go back to my next job. <laughs> and uh, so Aunt Noni and Uncle Lawrence were, were a huge um, support of my of my career as well. So... Anyway, how, how long did you keep? How long did you do the UPS job? Seven or eight years, I think I was with oh, UPS. Wow. Yeah. So that was kind of how you had that income coming in as oh, you're yeah. trying to build your. While build I'm building the business, business. Yeah, I had, had that security. That yeah. that always helps, you know. Yeah. Naturally, I had that comfort. So that summer, before we married or anything else, I gave the UPS job up and started full time real estate at that stage, and and I worked for Remax starting out. I actually, worked for Future World uh, early on. Went to work for Remax and came back and bought Future World and started put my company there on Grace and Prairie Street in Bethalta, right across from Ken Balster's office, is where I started TL Prane Properties okay. in the 80s. But uh, so anyway. And commercial property became your big thing, right? Yeah, yeah. That, uh, that, was, that, was, that was where I felt most comfortable. Um, and... I did still did a little bit of residential, but mainly commercial. I had at that stage already sold all of my other residential properties except for Granville, and uh, and I focused on commercial real estate and did did the, a lot of development projects after that. So, and then so kind of skipping ahead a little bit. So Ted, he's he's in the, he's businessman. You know, he's doing all this stuff. You see, I, you used to see the TL Prane signs everywhere. Everywhere. What color? They're like a, kind of like a blue, kind of a bluish teal, bluish teal and white. Yeah, yeah. Teal yeah you used to see them everywhere. You still like see a burgundy them. for sale sign. Yeah, occasionally I still have a few out there that I uh-huh. still properties that I own that that we are liquidating. But yeah, we just actually just sold the one down the street here. So one thing that's and then so he just kind of. Kind of just goes off the grid a little bit, right? Wouldn't you call yeah, it that? I probably mean, went off the grid a little bit. I know there's people. Don Clark said a couple weeks ago. Um, <laughs> Don Clark said, "Well, you just sort of left Bethalto behind," and I said, "Yeah, I guess it may look like that from your perspective, well, and it, it, not necessarily intentional, but my life just changed." Well, you were on a lot of boards and things. You were oh, on yeah. the Madison County Board, and and we want to touch on this. You also ran for the House of Representatives. Yeah, right. One yeah. year. Yeah. yeah, actually, the same year that I decided to start my real estate firm, decided to run for the <laughs> House of Representatives. You weren't doing enough, right? No, that was uh, that was crazy. But now, uh, now you 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 ran as a Republican in in, in this area with, in with East the, Alton and Woodriver <laughs> and Alton and Granite City. And, yeah, like, they looked at me like, "Oh yeah, okay, yeah, good luck, bud. Good, good luck." luck. Uh, but you almost you almost won it too, right? I almost won it. It yeah. was a, it was one of those things that was a victory, especially for a Republican. It was a victory just to come that close, yeah. right? But you know, as I look back at it in retrospect, it was just it was a God thing again. It was God's hand. He 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 wanted me to stay home and raise my family. Mm-hmm. And, and that would have been a whole different life, wouldn't it? Because at this point, you have life. you have you have two sons at that point. And right. how old were uh, Andy and Jonathan at that point? Yeah, probably probably. 
eight and three, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably eight and three. So, so they actually entrusted me when I was in high school Five, to babysit yeah. them a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and they still both have some traumatic, <laughs> some <laughs> some traumatic experiences from that because I used to just go out there and just power bomb them on the trampoline <laughs> for about an hour until their parents got home. Oh yeah. <laughs> they, no, they needed that boy energy. We knew yeah. you had the energy. Yeah, I was choke slamming, power bombing. It, it was hard to find a. a girl to come and babysit our boys because our boys were very active they were they, they were. needed a male they needed that male activity to to counter I'm, I'm elbow dropping them <laughs> that'll give it to them yeah so then we you end up just kind of uh moving out in the middle of jerseyville i've been up there a few times and it's just kind of it's not a it's not a log cabin but it's just a small house small cabin yeah small cabin yeah i put you to work if my memory serves <laughs> well I, you know i so we'll get to this but he, he raises cattle and sells beef and so every time i go up there to buy beef i'm i end up like driving post holes or something <laughs> it's always something we I say come I on have, put them I, muscles to work we have to go out and let cows out in the middle of these yeah. fields it's always I, I can't ever just come up and buy the beef and that never, Doesn't that, never, that never happens. That, we have very few few guests because of that. I put them to work as soon as they come I, up. My boys don't even come out. They, they question, why should we come, Dad? What do you got going on, Dad? Maybe we don't want to come. So, But this, and you've, you've grown the farm a lot, so I guess it's about 450 acres up there that yeah. you have. This wow. is out in the middle of Jerseyville. Kind of out in the middle, of, what is that, Rinkin Road or something? What is yeah, it? Reddish, Reddish, Reddish Ford. Road. Yeah, Reddish Ford Road. There's a Reddish and a Reddish Ford. This is, uh, so we're west of Jerseyville, north of uh, Highway 16 right there at St. Mary's Church just north of uh, north of the road there and yeah, well, you're making it sound like it's it's not out in the middle of nowhere but it is it is it, it is. is matter of fact Dave Givens my insurance agent for years and years retired now shout out to you Dave anyway he he he'll give you heat he went up, you know, he, uh, he'd call, I'd call him and I'd say, Hey Dave, go buy this address, put insurance on it, you know, all through my life. Cause yeah. I'd buy something and I'd tell him and he'd go put some insurance on it. So I give him the address and coordinates of this. And he went up there, he calls me back. He says, man, you're not at the end of the earth, but you can see it from here. <laughs> <laughs> he said, you are out yeah. there now. I said, I went until my cell phone didn't work and then I bought it. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> that nice. was sort of the idea. I, I wanted to, I was, I have, as you mentioned, I was involved in all kinds of activities. I mean, I was I was a very community oriented. That's mm-hmm. the way I was raised. That's the way I believe we have to be. We have to be involved in our community. So, uh, school board, regional board of trustees, county board, SWIDA, you know, lots of hats. Boy Scout leader, Cub Scout master, Cub master, all kinds of all kinds of hats. And it, I was ready for a little bit of a change and. I don't know that I really was seeking it. It just happened. Mm-hmm. And again, I, it's God's hand on on my life. And uh, we bought this farm in 2012. We looked at a number of farms on, on and off for the last 10 years before prior to, to 2010. And Julie just never had a warm fuzzy. And, you know, Julie has to have a warm fuzzy at right. least. And so she got a warm fuzzy on this one. And we, uh, we bought it. It started out with 225 acres. And... Uh, we were just going to recreate on it, and the uh, the guy we bought it from had just sold his beef herd and had rights to buy uh, 14 of his heifers back, and he he was raising beef, so the genetics made it better, more palatable. I mean, a better a better steak, in other words, more marbling and muscle content and fat, and so it was it was good. He had I started with good genetics. And 
so I bought into that herd. We partnered up, bought a bull, bought some facilities, working facilities. And, uh, and then two years later in that, in the meantime, my mom dies in 11. So I'm in Florida dealing with her affairs and, and things. And, uh, and she was my greatest cheerleader. At least she got to see me start in this venture. And she even said, uh, in her last day, she said, you know, how fortunate you are to have two careers that you enjoy. And, uh, she was really happy for my, for me going, doing the farming, but she didn't get to see the, in its full, in its full on. So you have over 200, uh, heads of cattle now, right? We do. We've raised that, uh, those 14, uh, heifers to, to over 200. And we just retain the heifers within the herd and uh, buy bulls and do artificial insemination as well. So. Big question. Have you hired a dinger? Have you hired a well, dinger? Well, I've yet? hired a number of dingers over <laughs> they the don't time. Stick. They don't they stick, don't huh? stick. But, they, you know, that's, that's to be expected because they're young kids. And I was starting out and didn't have a lot of money to, to throw that way. And, and actually... On the way down here, I, I I put a put a word out to a guy that I hope is uh, has an interest in coming to the farm because we've grown now to the stage that uh, that I need full time professional help. I mean, a guy that's that's ready to to stay with me. So uh, so we are seeking uh, the right people to help me manage the farm. We we just this year took on all of the farming responsibilities as well. My neighbor. Uh, Max Heitzig did did all my farming up till this year, and uh, and so this by year by farming you have corn all, all the corn? crops. Yeah, okay. I, I focused on the cattle for the past dozen years, and the uh, the the agricultural the row crop side of it I I left to him, and uh, and he's an expert at it, and I learned a lot. The idea was I I came alongside of him and. And he, he helped me learn. He still is. I call him on a daily basis and sometimes multiple times a day to say, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And he, he's just been great. The neighbors up there, the people up there have been absolutely welcoming to this kid that wants to be a farmer. They've called me the kid, city kid, farmer. Hold on, kid? Well, yeah, hold yeah, on, yeah. Hold, yeah. On, hold, on, <laughs> right. hold on a second. Well, uh, to their perspective, I'm a kid. To your perspective, I'm not. But uh, a lot of these guys are older guys, and they, they thought this young guy that's been a real estate guy all his life, this city farmer's going to come up here. And, and they see now that I, my hands get as dirty as they do. And before I came down, I had to water cows and move cows and, and actually had to catch a calf and an inoculator and – before I came down here, I came with uh, <laughs> dirty boots and uh, you know what on my on my yeah. boots and everything else at this stage. But um, so you kind of traded in the suit and tie for for bibs and and shit kickers. Huh? I did, I did. I don't uh, I don't wear bibs because my wife doesn't like bibs. I <laughs> I think they'd be very comfortable to wear but, <laughs> and but, practical. Yeah, right? but but Julie's not having it. She still wants her cowboy to look like a cowboy. So. <laughs> So she likes the tight jeans and the and the ball cap. I, you know, I gotta have, wear the ball cap. Um, yeah. Even when I put my cowboy hat on, she gets embarrassed because she thinks I stick out. But I like my cowboy hat occasionally too. So, so, so are you liking this life? Have, have, oh, it's you just uh, kind of. I don't want to say you disappeared, but you know, I did. You the, the I did sort of disappear, like Don Clark said. You just sort of gave up on us. I said, well, I I guess I did, but it it evolved into now I'm I partner up on these cows then in a 12 I didn't finish that part of the story I bought my partner out Dave Beach uh is who I bought the the farm and the herd from I bought him out he moved to Texas and I'm full-on farming now I mean I'm raising these cows so the fencing needed to be redone the pastures needed to be improved I mean a lot of the things that that we needed to do needed to I needed to to 
to be there to do. So I actually, we built this little, we fixed up this little thousand square foot cabin up there for recreation for deer hunting. Got a bunch of deer heads hanging all over it and <laughs> stone fireplace, and it, it's a cool place. And I moved my wife out of a nice big house in Bethalto to, to that little cabin in uh, Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not a tiny home, but it's it's close, it's, isn't it? It's small. It's, it's concise. Really, it's nice. It's so really I cool built her a barn, her own little barn. So we have his and hers barns instead of his and hers <laughs> closets. She has her barn. I have my barn. She's got her office in her barn. So the, the last time I was up there, I was trying to, you know, how that the Yellowstone that sh- that show you and mm-hmm. I talked about it before is kind of just taking. I'm like, hey, I think you build some a, a, a bunkhouse up here, and you just <laughs> people pay you to come and work on the farm. That's where it's at. Well, it, it, and I <laughs> don't disagree. It, I don't disagree. But after you came up and helped me, I just don't know if that would work. <laughs> I don't know if I could tolerate. Well, well that, uh, listen, right. that kind of uh, this is what janky. So we're we're I said we were putting in fence, okay. And, and like he's not using a fence post; he's using some old log as the fence post. Well, it's and hedge. It's, it's, it's called it, a hedge post. And it cross, it's shaped like it's this. And he's, try, he's trying to level even it. it up. It was, it you got to level it, and then you <laughs> shave it on one side, and and you make that hedge. You never find a better fence post than a hedge. <laughs> Write that down, Ross. Okay. You never find a better fence post than a hedge. You got to have hedge. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you've also been a man of faith your whole life too, right? yes, sir. and you've kind of you kind of referenced some scripture in here. Um, I know you used to sing in church. You, mm-hmm. You've sang at weddings and and things like that. How how and you keep referencing your faith. How how big has that been in your life? How oh. how has that influenced you and and things like that? Well, it's central. It's central to my life, and I think it's central to life in in general. If if people know me, I hope they understand that that uh, we, it's all God's. All of this, 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 we've talked about a lot today about my life, mm-hmm. but it's all God's and, uh, it's, it's about us being able to, to do with what God has given us and gifted us with and, uh, to carry it out. And, and that's really, uh, the same way with this farm thing. I, I did some, uh, you know, I was referencing scripture and reading and, and one day and it just sank, uh, Galatians five seventeen let the spirit lead you and and so that was that was really what guided and directed me i mean i lost elections i won elections but losing is hard too it's hard to lose elections especially in your hometown mm-hmm. and uh, and so i i probably had a little bit of bitterness for a while because of that but at the same time God, it's God's plan. I lost by 25 votes. If I'd have changed 13 views, points wow. of view, I would have, I'd been on the county board, but I wouldn't be in Jersey County. And things would be, be a lot different. No, I'd be over there helping, helping McCray and Pritzker and those guys, not Pritzker or <laughs> Prinzler, uh, you know, solve all of the problems in the county. And I'd have been caught up in that. And instead God had a different plan. I call it my Moses moment. Where I'm, I'm in the wilderness. I, I, I'm going, I'm going out in the wilderness. I'm walking away and then going to the wilderness. And people say, well, what do you, public service? You've always been in public service. What are you going to do? Do you want to? You have any interest? And I said, not unless I see a burning bush. I mean, it's God's plan. If he, if he strikes me and says I need to do this, I need to run and get back involved or be involved in whatever, then, then I'm not, I'm open to it. I'm, I'll do it, but it's not, it's not my plan. It's, it's his plan. And what I'm doing at this stage is since I re 
de- developed my life from real estate, which had been the focus of my life for 40 years. It's time to, I'm, I'm learning. I learn every day new things about being a herdsman and how to, how to the animal husbandry. And now I'm doing the crop science part of it. And it is the farmer, it, people don't recognize the what it takes to be a farmer. These guys are unbelievable. They're agronomic skills. They got to be scientists. They got to be veterinarians. They got to be mechanics. They got to be a. They they got to wear so many hats. It's and so it's exciting to learn that. And I'm I'm wrenching and mechanic and things now that I I never <laughs> I never had a wrench in my hand growing up. But now I have to do it to to fix something. Um, and so it's uh, it's just a different. It's a simpler life in some instances, but it's an extremely complex life because of all the things you have to know in the in the agricultural industry to, to make decisions. Do you love it? I do. I do love it. Do I love you love it. it like you loved real estate? I do. A different a different kind of love. It's more of a it's wholesome. It's uh it's a lifestyle that is just incredible. I mean, the people that you run into, that you deal with. It's different than in real estate. I mean, it seemed like in real estate towards the end of my real estate career, it seemed like I was at opposition with everybody, mainly governances that think that they have to regulate in order to, to, to prove their point or to control things. And, and it just became cumbersome. And, you know, in anything, if you push back hard enough, the people are going to walk away. So that side of my life, I don't regret at all. I had a great run in real estate, and I enjoyed what I did. But um, I, I'm I'm glad that I'm I'm not doing it on a day to day basis. I what I do today is uh, first off, I let the sun wake me up in the morning <laughs> instead of waking up to a calendar. And I'm usually up at daybreak. You know, six o'clock or so is when I get up and. And I go to bed at night, but at, in the middle of the day, if I'm not super busy, I like to get a nap. My Uncle Smith at I the like farm <laughs> used good. to always get a nap after lunch, and I, I took that to heat, and that's that's good. I think it's good for your health, too, to rest in the middle of the day. It's usually the heat of the day this time of year as well. And uh, so it's just, a, it's just a totally different thing. I'm not looking at my phone all the time. I'm not worrying about my emails. I'm at our, we're, we're in the process of dissolving some of our real estate holdings and guys are trying to buy something from me and they send me a letter of intent and five days later they text me back and say hey uh, did you get our uh, letter of intent and I said yeah I did but I have been in the combine and bailing hay and I haven't had a chance to read it so it's not that I'm ignoring you I'll get to it so do do you consider yourself retired from real estate Yes, as yeah. far as actively day to day, yeah, I, I, I'm my, I still handle our assets, and and negotiate the deals that I own, that I still own, and that was one of the benefits of being in the real estate business. I didn't just broker, I acquired and developed real estate that I held, and and that that's what that's what affords me the ability to be a poor farmer mm-hmm. is, I've got some cash flow back yeah. to that UPS job. I had some security in that. Uh, my real estate has given me some some security in the farming yeah. farming business. Too. So you won't you won't grow anymore. Like, are you won't you won't take any new projects in real estate wise? 
Yeah, I, I'm not going to say won't. I, yeah. There's just because some things have crossed my table just recently that are pretty attractive and because they sort of fit with uh, with what I think we need to be doing in certain areas. And so I, I might, um, but it's not something I'm actively pursuing. I'm trying to, to look at other avenues around the, uh, the beef industry th- so I can help improve that side of the business. Since COVID, we've had a terrible time uh getting processed or the beef that we've raised and we have a, we, we aren't in control of our schedule anymore because it, there's so much demand and so it has uh it has made it tough to meet the consumer's need when a consumer wants beef they want beef they yeah. don't they, they don't want to they're used to going to the grocery store or the meat counter so what i do is sell halves and quarters and holes and so it's i i raise that that product and i have to think 18 months out to do that and and so i have to almost schedule a year in advance now not even knowing how my calf crop's going to do i have to schedule a year in advance to have it processed so i've got a slot to, to have that done so we're working on some things to maybe uh to improve that hopefully improve that processing time frame and i was saying i get my beef from him and he was talking about the genetics of the cattle up there and it being more palpable like the the beef, like you buy beef from him, and like you don't even have to put anything on it. That's no, how that's how good, good it tastes. Just like you can just eat it straight, and it's like it's it, that good. It's real good. I I would. Uh, the, some of the restaurants in town have, have bought some of my burger. Um, Johnson's Corner is um, has got uh, got my burger there, so uh, you go by there and get a get a burger. But I haven't done a whole lot of commercial uh, burger yet. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been waiting until I have a good inventory before I come market to uh, the brick house. There we go. <laughs> so, now, is there uh, some the brick re- house really ought to carry my burger, but they, I need to get to that's that. That's what I'm stage, saying. That's so, what I'm saying. There we go. But it's, uh, it's hard when you develop, you've got to develop a better pipeline. So, because you need consistent burger, you mm-hmm. don't want to go to my burger and then go to, to, um, absolutely Cisco's burger. You want to con- t- consistently use one burger because there is a flavor difference. And so uh, that's been the challenge that I had to try to meet commercial needs. But uh, you, you ever get there, you let me know. We're working on it. We are working on it. Do you, do you foresee the processing issues that you're having now? Do you foresee them getting better anytime I soon? I do. I think uh, the processing companies, uh, some of the smaller ones, uh, are looking at expanding. Um, we're looking at, at uh, there's one in Jerseyville that's trying to get started and get some things going, and that would be great to have a local processor. Um, but um, all the smaller processors are, are growing as well. So I do think that that's the, that's the way. Again, back to the, the smaller processor, if, if people understand, if they've ever bought private farmer-raised beef, they know the difference Versus going to the yeah. grocery store, I, I can it's definitely just, tell. It's the just a better, a better quality product. Now, have you heard these stories about about uh, processing plants getting burnt down and burning down and things like that? Have you heard that stuff? Well, yeah, that now, is this nationally true, is this truth, uh, truth to that. Well, there is, and and for various reasons, maybe that that has happened. I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's a conspiracy or mm-hmm. anything. But what do you think uh, it is? I mean, I, probably just lack of maintenance on the facilities, and all of a sudden they have a. Like, and maybe they're rushing because there's been a shortage and, and an overworking. Running, running extra hours, and the mm-hmm. guys aren't paying attention to detail. And okay. I'm not certain. I don't know the details of a lot of that, but that is that's part of the reason why we had some some issues with uh, the local processors filling up. Is a far, if a farmer, they're they're the most independent individual in the world because 
they have to figure out and they recognize this what how to how to market what they've raised they've got to figure out a way to do it and so uh the farmer's the most enterprising person i think in in business today because they'll they'll figure it out so when they couldn't sell it at a a good marketable price because there was a glut on the market too many beef backing up they went to the small processors and started selling it direct to the consumer and the consumer is right now especially and i don't think this is a fad i hope it's not the consumer is ripe for good quality product well, you see a lot of farmer there's farmers markets everywhere now, a lot of farmer raised you know stuff, i think almost right. every town has a has a farmers market these days which they, I, I love them i yeah. love going and getting my you know vegetables and things like that from them i i think they're I, the the thing that the most important thing is make sure that you do your due diligence a little bit even there because you're going to have you're going to have snake oil salesmen everywhere. So mm-hmm. you've got to make sure you're dealing with the farmer, number one. And ideally, it's a Farm Bureau raised or backed, supported um, uh, farmer's market. So you know that it's coming from a from an agency who supports the farmer. Do, do you see, is there a lot of regulations and things like that that hinders you? or? Oh, there are. There are some regulations. I'm not to the size where, and I say 200, that includes my calves. I don't have a total 200. Mm-hmm. I don't have 200 cows, um, but there is a threshold um, where there's some some permitting and things. I don't intend to get to that stage. I don't think, I don't believe. However, if I had a, a finishing facility where I had a, a number of head, most of mine are raised on grass, naturally raised, and then I finish them on corn but they always have access to grass and, and pasture. If you confine an animal, you have a confinement area, then you're restricted and regulated with, with, okay. more, with more things for confinement. But most of my, uh, most of my product is, is raised naturally on grass and, and grazed. We, we do a rotational grazing, so I move them from pasture to pasture every three to five days. I was saying earlier before we started, I, I moved some cows this morning to, uh, to a new paddock and uh and that's that's just part of our daily routine is moving cows we've got three actually three separate herds i I do fall calving and spring calving so um i have calves on the ground all the time with their mamas and then we we sort those out and and background them and get them ready for for the process ready for fattening and or breeding back to to keep in the herds who do you sell most of your product to Individuals, anybody that has an interest in, in buying. Um, the name of the farm and the name of the company is Turkey Ridge Cattle Company, and we have a, an Instagram and a Facebook page. Look at you. Look at that. Who runs that? I want to know, know who runs that. Well, I don't. <laughs> I, I know. I don't. I am not that technically savvy, and, I, and I've, I've really fought uh, from being too technically savvy. So Jonathan... Uh, set the Instagram and Facebook page up and my daughter-in-laws get involved as well. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, one of my better salesmen is Andy at Johnson's corner and, and he, he cooks the product for you down there. So you get a, you get a feel for it there. But, um, say the name of the farm again, Turkey Ridge cattle company and check it out, check it out. 
I, like it. See, Ted's always wanting me to like get people like, hey, get him by. Then I'm always afraid that I'm going to get him too many people, and then I'm never going to. There's going to be no beef for me when I want. Yeah. That's what I'm always afraid of. It's a <laughs> slippery slope. Well, and there. that that does happen occasionally. I yeah. I think uh, our mutual friend called me at one point and needed some beef, and I didn't have any. He's like, wait a minute, all the beef I sold for you, and you don't have any. <laughs> well, he's the one that turned me on to get it from you. So see what happens. So if I wanted to start getting beef from you for my family, would it? Is yeah. my contact you? Yeah, contact me directly, or uh, or get online and and, uh, and on the Facebook, and Jonathan will Jonathan will pick it up and send it to me, or or you can contact me directly. Most of my contacts, most of my beef, I sell directly. People that I've known through my life, I mean, they can't believe that I'm raising beef. To be quite <laughs> honest with you, they say you're doing what? And uh, and and I explain to them what I'm doing, and and I I sell a lot of beef like that, just word of mouth and. We don't do a whole lot of marketing at this stage, uh, but it's something that we've got to think about yeah, in the future as, sure. as we grow this business. Now, you sure. talked a little bit about uh, Jonathan Andy. Jonathan now is in the real estate business, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he sells uh, he sells farms and recreational property. That's his yeah. that's his strength. And uh, and he, I've tried to push him in the commercial side of things because that was my strength. But mm-hmm. but he wanted to carve his own niche. He always marches to the beat of his drum, which is which is cool. I think both your boys. They do. Yeah. They? they do. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I never know what Andy's got going He's, on. He got a little of everything. He does. I He's got when, an internet business. He was selling these knobs or something yeah. one time. I'm like, where are you getting like knobs? He's Very selling knobs online. Well, he he bought his first house at 19 too or 20. I and he had a had a little apartment had above. An apartment it. above it. Yeah. And removed all the buddies into the to the place. <laughs> the little frat house there for yeah. a while, but he was he was bringing down some positive cash flow. Yeah. Now his former tenants will say, wait a minute, how much money were you making? <laughs> so uh, Andy cooks. He, had, he started a little pizza thing up there at Johnson John, Stanley's, yeah, the Stanley's, Stanley's Pizza. pizza. And just, yeah. he's, he's always got something, something. And, and Jonathan, him over the, you know, I've seen him grow up. Well, yeah. So him over there is like, at one point, like he's a surfer guy. Like you see him, he's like, he's a California surfer is what he is. Okay. Yeah, well, he's, he's living out there. Yeah. And the next thing you know, he's like a farmer. Now he looks like, he looks like <laughs> Ted looks now. He's like a farmer, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he's, he's morphed into a few things over the years. But, uh, but he, you know, you got to do that. You got to go out and try and do yeah. what you like. He, he worked for my neighbor, Max, for seven years. And so they worked on our farm and I worked with them. And he learned a huge amount of, of, uh, farming and, and agricultural side for max working for max has a great deal of respect for that and and so he but he, you know you're not gonna set the world on fire as a farmer and as i said i didn't know i'd ever be a farmer but if if i didn't have the real estate holdings and the ability to to uh, to acquire land i wouldn't probably be farming at this stage so it's uh, unless you're in, you inherited. I suppressed that dream of being a farmer years ago, yeah. and my grandparents moved from the farm down to East St. Louis to to cut beef at Swift's packing plant. And so my my history, my family history, is from agriculture on on my mom's side. All of that side of the family moved off the farm in uh, Root House and Whitehall and Scottville and Hart's Prairie and that area up there, and uh, moved down to the city to get to get work. And now we're back to the farm, and we've gravitated now. Andy lives east of town on a farm, and he married a, a Betsy, a lady from uh, Quincy, super super gal, social worker for the Alton Cubs. School she district. is a Cubs fan. She's a oh. Cubs fan. That's maybe the <laughs> only, the slightest, and the only fault she has. No, but she's awesome. Betsy's she awesome. is she is awesome, and got a heart, just as hu- a huge heart. 
And uh, so she's a social worker at, uh, for the Alton School District. And what I've heard from past superintendents, she's a rock star in mm-hmm. the Alton School District. And uh, and they live east of town with my granddaughter, and they're expecting a second uh, child on the 1st of September. And then Andy and uh, or Jonathan and Lauren live in Jerseyville. Lauren has joined Jonathan in the real estate business. Uh, they still tag under Prane Properties. Uh, as a, on a Facebook and so on, but they work for Tarrant and Harmon, and uh, she sells residential real estate. And he found her in California when he was uh, working the slopes <laughs> Mo- out in uh, moved Mammoth her to Jersey. Moved her to Jerseyville to the cornfield. Uh, we we gave her ten days, and she, <laughs> she's lasted ten years. I mean, wow. she's been here ten years, and she just, she fits in great. And what a great mother she is to to my grandson. Um, Hayes, Hayes Lawrence. So a shout out to them as well. Um, Great family. Now, what 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 advice would you give to like a, a, a young a young adult now coming like trying to get into the real estate or just trying to get into business in general? What advice would you give them? Well, I, you you got to have a passion for it. You got to you got to want to want to do it. You got to have a passion for it, and you've got to take risk. Um, even though it doesn't maybe seem right to everybody else around you, because I've, I've been told by many people, what are you doing? Really? <laughs> they're still telling you. Yeah, they absolutely <laughs> still tell me. Even more today, I think, than in the past, they're telling me. And uh, I just, uh, so you have to, and you have to take, you have to take chance, but you have to learn. You have to educate yourself at, at whatever, whatever venture you're, you're doing. You have to, to get in the weeds and find out details and continue and always be open to the, to the idea of learning you know and, and hearing your story it's like you know after you know you lose something or you like like you lost everything and you lost the house of representatives things but you just picked yourself you know you don't stay down what, what is that saying it's not how many times you get knocked down it's if you get back up get back time. up so, and what you learn from being knocked down too yeah. that's that's the main thing and uh, the, the other thing that for me and i would say unequivocally to anyone is faith and having a faith in in god and christ helps ground you so you're not um swayed to the to the whims of the world so you've got to have some strength and some 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 foundation and that foundation for me has just been uh, has been huge yeah at your at your peak how many properties did your company hold I've been asked that question numerous times, and I, I don't. It's an count intriguing them, question, but I don't count them because I think he I doesn't think want to answer. <laughs> he know he know he knows the exact number. No, I really don't. If people <laughs> ask me today, say, so "How many acres you have?" I don't know. I've got a farm here and a farm there, and I've got a few. I've got this and that, and it's just stuff, though, guys. Really. And uh, it, so that's the way I look at it. It's it's stuff, and it's necessary for us to have stuff to achieve the goals that that we have on this earth but but ultimately it's just stuff it's all bricks and sticks and it's all going to burn <laughs> up in the end you know? so you know one of the things the interesting things about this whole career change for me was i recognized in my life in the commercial real estate business that it was it was about stuff it's just stuff and that if you don't continue to tend to the stuff it breaks down and deteriorates and the the world is always against is always trying to to um going to destroy everything you try to create as much as you try to polish it it's still going to get tarnished 
And so it, which, when you recognize that's the case, that what legacy am I leaving for my kids or my grandkids? So this lifestyle of, of agricultural, of actually being able to exist and, and create food that you eat, that, that you raise, that you take care of, grow a garden. I used to think a garden, shoot, I'd go to Schnucks to get my, mm-hmm. my veggies. I don't need a garden. Now we have a garden and I enjoy the garden and the garden, you know, gives us sustenance. Do we have to have a garden? No, we do. We do it because we want to, we can buy our, our veggies in town, but we like to, to raise our own vegetables as well. So it, it, you, you can sustain yourself and th- going through the pandemic probably even heightened that awareness a bit, <laughs> you know, because they shut everything down. All of a sudden, what am I going to do? And the supply chains messed up and, and not to say it didn't hurt the farmer and it didn't hurt us on the farm, but at the same time you pivot and you make do, or you figure out other ways to, to achieve what you need to achieve. So, uh, if you're on the farm, at least you're not going to starve to death. You know no, that. I'm gonna, we're gonna, <laughs> we've got a roof over our head, and we're not going to starve to death, and and because we've got we've got sustenance, and and everybody has to eat too. So, is it Bitcoin? Is it gold? What's the inflationary proof thing? What do you what do you got to buy to get get through inflation? And <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, I I don't know who who knows the answer to all those questions. But everybody needs food, though. Everybody needs food. You got to eat. So I I felt like that was good and it, and I just I have a passion for them the animals are just are just very cool to, to we need a garden <laughs> we do well we talked about it last year remember our we grew we you know we grew up in Calhoun yeah, you had we were gardens. on farms we had pit I remember going to your house in Calhoun and yeah. the, the garden up on the hill yeah, yeah. We, we had pigs and we had my mom had a giant garden you know and and so we had kind of we had talked about it last year putting one in at my house and then like all of us just kind of tending to it it yeah. never came to fruition well that that's another thing about the about life that you find when you're farming is and with a garden is a good point you plant a garden and you've got a vision of how nice you want it to be and the weeds just have their own vision <laughs> yeah. I've, and, done, I've done some research and you and you just have to you have to be you have to you, there's always something to battle in the garden there's a pest there's an insect there's a and the garden's weed. not going to lie to you if you do the hard work it's going to be good if it you is. don't it's going it's same way with crap. life same yeah. way with farming but farming you really see it if yeah. you put in the work today for tomorrow, you see the you get to see the benefits and reap the, the benefits. That's for sure. We need to do it at mom's. <laughs> oh yeah, mom has. Sorry, Ma- sorry. Now she has a bigger yard, yeah. and sorry, now we mom. now we have a we have a twenty four hour watcher. Yeah. Margaret will love that. She yeah. needs another job. <laughs> <laughs> need, Margaret, I'm Sergeant sure needs Mar- another Sar- job. Sergeant Margaret, we actually had her on the show one time. Oh yeah, you'll, you'll have to yeah. check that one. Out I'll have to check that episode out, good. and I'm sure she's probably listening to this too. Margaret's great. <laughs> yeah, she's our she's like our third or like one of our three one listeners. of your three yeah. listeners. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, had to use the joke. Yeah, had. To too. So, Ted, that was great. It was great. I appreciate you, know, you coming down and sharing your story with us. It's good to get together with you guys and watch you guys grow up and uh, and the lives that uh, that the two of you have and Ty and and uh, you probably thought we'd be in prison. Yeah, no, <laughs> you, you guys always had uh, always had promise. The, the four boys, I thought, always had promise. The best it's, story I have of of uh, Todd was. We're at opening day at the Cardinals game oh, man. a few years well, ago. Well, let's sign off here, Ross. And, uh, and he and and we're, I'm with Andy, and he reminded me that he used to babysit Andy, and I said, "Yeah." And now Andy's babysitting. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
Oh, I missed the wrong wrong sound. <laughs> wrong effect sound. Effect. Round sound effect. Yeah, you gotta get those down. Ooh. There you got it. All right. Again, thanks for coming down. Appreciate it. Great story. Love to see that that pivot from being at the top of one game and then pivoting to what you want to do at your with your life at that time. And passionate about yep. both. Passionate New passion, both. yeah. That's for sure. Well, everybody, welcome to come to Turkey Ridge Cattle Company. We're going to sell you some beef. And We're come on up and visit the farm. <laughs> well, bring your work gloves. Yeah, bring your work gloves. <laughs> come on up. Keep mine on my truck. Yeah. <laughs> This has been the Eat, Slay, Live podcast. And we are the Locksecutioners. Slay on, brother. Slay on.